Welcome to a brand new series here at Quacky Gems Podcast. I'm Gem Swallow. I took the idea to remove myself from Instagram because it was just getting to me and my life evolved. So I did the unthinkable. Yep, I deleted it. I then had an idea. I'd do a brand new series on my podcast, but with a twist. There are three rules. No health, no job talk, and no social media. Mm Mm-hmm, really. Just adventure and what I get up to. Let's see what this life really has to offer. This is Life Offline, the brand new series here at Quirky Gems Podcast. Let's do this. Do you love Quirky Gems Podcast? Why not consider becoming a patron? From just a few quid or dollars a month, you'd be helping to support this podcast. You can get a shout out here plus lots more. Just choose the tier that's right for you at patreon.com forward slash quirky gems podcast. Hello and welcome to Quirky Gems Podcast Life Offline. I am Gem Swallow. Hi, I hope that you're doing well. How goes it with you? You good? I thought that I would do an episode right here on Quirky Gems Podcast about bladder endometriosis. It's something that I'm suffering with and it's something that is, it affects me every day, if I'm being honest. And I notice that I haven't really spoken about my endometriosis journey. And it wasn't until recently I was talking to my other half about this and I thought, okay, it's been a while. And I know that I have listeners that are interested in my endometriosis journey and fellow sufferers might be interested in, you know, other women's journeys, which is completely understandable. You know, you want to kind of see how different it is, maybe compared to where you live to where I live. And I feel happy to share with you a little bit about where I've been, a little bit of where I'm at, and maybe a little bit about what I've been thinking about going forward. So, um... I got diagnosed with endometriosis through a laparoscopy around about two and a bit years ago. So it started off with a polyp, a polyp, which is a growth in your endometrio... What the hell? Where am I going with this? Basically, your womb, as it lines and it gets thicker, so you're preparing for either a period or pregnancy. Sometimes what can happen is if you have a hormone imbalance your your endometriotum i think is the word don't quote me on that but your lining can sometimes go a bit school with and when it does you can grow benign tumors you can kind of grow something that is known as a polyp and i grew one i can grow pretty things apparently who knew so i had um my journey started off with a polyp never had one before i didn't even know what one was i had that removed And around about three months after, because I was healing, three months after that, I was starting to get pain and my my red flags were flying. Something was telling me, Gem, something is very wrong here. So um, I had, I have what I call the excision site. Um, So on my left side of my body, where my left hip meets, you know, where you would assume your left ovary is, because I don't know about you, but when I look down, I really can't see them. So um, where my left ovary is, Because I had to get into my womb, they had to perform like, it's kind of like a mini laparoscopy. They had to go on in. I don't actually think they went in that way. I think they went up through my vagina, up through my womb, grabbed hold of this little polyp, which is kind of like an oversized skin tag, really. They pulled it and that went away. 
I didn't have any other kind, I didn't have fibroids or anything like that. It was just one polyp that I grew. Apparently it measured two centimeters, which they said is quite small. When you're carrying that thing around, it wasn't small. When I got told about this, um, I remember the journey towards that was that I was starting to get pain on my left hand side of my body and I kind of thought something's up with this and every now and again I started to bleed and I actually thought that my periods were all over the joint and I thought okay I've literally been really regular throughout my life my periods have been nightmare they're like you know the build-up to the periods haven't been fun but they're regular I know chapter and verse of what's going to happen to my body I know what the symptoms are for me and so I remember saying to my family, something's not right here. I can feel this weird thing. It was kind of like having a ball of some kind in your body. You can feel it as you move. And then I just remember talking to my doctor about this. I had this weird sensation on my left-hand side. And he sent me up to have a scan. So I remember I was sat on this um, this gurney this bed what they sit you on and a sonographer which is like a type of um, scan it's similar to what I would assume you get when you're pregnant but it didn't go over my stomach it went inside my vagina so that they could get sound waves and they could show me what the inside of me looks like I I've seen it in the me so as I was sat there I saw this massive screen and a lot of grayness when I saw what can only be described and I've, I've made light of it because it sticks with me I once you see what I saw it never leaves you I saw what could only be described as like a clip from the film Independence Day where you're seeing this alien spaceship look at you and I remember looking I don't know what I look like up there Okay, I've never really kind of tried to get my head up there and had a good look around thinking, oh, so this is the environment of which exists up here. Doesn't usually happen when you're a woman. So I remember looking at this big screen and looking at this weird shape on the screen and saying to the woman, what is that? The rest of the like the rest of the TV, because it literally was a TV, but it was on a weird channel, which was the innermost workings of my womb. And I remember saying to this woman, what is that? And she said, that's a polyp. I remember thinking, what in God's name is a polyp? I'm not, I'm not even religious. And I thought, what is a polyp? And she said, it's a growth. I thought, oh, God. I thought, oh, okay. She's, it's nothing to worry about. It's just a growth. She left it at that. She didn't care to elaborate on this. I was walking around with this thing attached to me. But it's weird how your body reacts. My body, I kind of... I know this is going to sound weird. The only way my body could understand it was I treated my body as if I was pregnant because I had something in there which was attached to me. And the attachment would be that of similar to if you're pregnant. And I remember looking at this and I remember I could feel it as this wand. That's the only description that I can really label this thing as. This wand went up. There was no other polyp, just this one. And where it was located was on my left-hand side of my womb. And so I think it was around about three months afterwards because the pain, I was bleeding from it. I mean, they say that polyps aren't anything to worry about, but when you're bleeding and you're in pain, I would I would really like to disagree with that. It's something to worry about. So um, I just remember that about three months after the scan, I was booked in to have a polypectomy, which means that they go in through your vagina, other 
areas are available, but they chose the vagina. They go in, they get these clamp-type contraption, and you're under anaesthetic. They take this clamp, they go in, and because a polyp is like a growth, it reminds you of a really big skin tag, but it's attached to you, and they take it off, and I believe that they cauterize it so you don't bleed. And um, when I came round, I remember being in a little bit of pain, I think um, because I, I have fibromyalgia, so I have pain conditions. Anyway, I like to think I have a high pain threshold, but when it's your first operation, it's a different one. But before the operation took place, let's go back to the appointment. So as I was coming out of the appointment, I remember my mum was at home, my family were at home, and I came out and I remember ringing my mum. The hospital isn't that far away from where I live, to be honest, you know. And I remember coming out and I said to my mum, I have a polyp. Even my mum didn't know what a polyp was. And so uh, my mum looked it up. She had, like, the internet there. I was more interested in walking home, to be honest. It was a, it was like a shock. I, I was carrying around this thing, but... I think because it had the potential to hurt me, I literally was walking around... And my brain interpreted it as like being pregnant. So like you're carrying this thing that is living inside you. The only thing is with a baby, it grows and you get morning sickness and whatever. But with this thing, I interpreted it like being pregnant and kind of like the only thing is this thing isn't going to go to full term and it's not going to come out as a baby. That's the only way that my head could come around this thing. And... um it's strange, actually, because I remember when I was talking, when I kind of was talking to Jack about it, and I was saying about, you know, it's pain, we treated it in a way, he kind of treated me like I was pregnant as well. It's the only way I could learn how to cope. I knew that this wasn't going to be in my body for nine months, but I knew it wasn't a baby. It was it was living. It had my, you know, it had um, blood. It needed me as a, like, a, it needed my body to live, but it wasn't eating any food or anything, as a normal pregnancy would be. This thing was just a massive skin tag, but because it was in my body, I just felt very concerned and very cautious about what I did with my body, and I took everything at a snail's pace. So I remember that fast forward to a few months, and I had it removed. I had been given ibuprofen, and I believe that was my first because I was in so much pain they actually gave me my first lot of morphine which was interesting it tasted a lot like cowpole so if you ever wonder what oral morphine tastes like it's like cowpole and um then I remember I came home and I I don't do well with anesthetic me and anesthetic do not go at all you'd think I'd be fine with it it was going under the anesthetic that was interesting as well because it's what you see for me the wall kind of made this weird design I can still remember it now my first time going under anesthesia (laughs) I had this wall that where like my body was laid out on this bed and this wall was at the foot of the room. And as I was looking at it, like the colour, it looked, it was like a swirl design. I remember saying to this, this nurse was watching my face. I guess she must have been the anesthesiologist, I'm not sure. I remember saying, oh my God, that is so weird. And then next thing I was out. Um, I woke up to this, this nurse telling me they got the polyp out. And I kind of thought, okay, it was kind of... Anesthesia doesn't work. I remember I was puking and I remember I actually came home and um, 
I was hungry because you can't eat anything in the morning because you're going to have an operation. Yeah, the operation took 15 minutes, I believe. That's what I was told. I came home and strangely I wanted a burger and chips because I hadn't eaten all day. I ate the burger and chips and then brought it all back up again because me and anesthesia don't go. And um, I remember feeling just completely drained and apparently I looked very white. And my mum and Jack were just saying I looked very white. It took me um, a good, say few days to a few weeks to heal that's when other things started to flag up so three months after that operation as I was healing I had an excision site which is on my left and because they've gone into that twice that's where I think the pain has come from so I got told that after three months I had to go for a follow-up and I actually remember ringing up my GP and saying something doesn't feel right I really feel something's not right here and um I then got referred to gynecology again and I explained to them what my symptoms were and this you know this gynecologist said it sounds like it could be endometriosis and um I think the best bet we need to just give you a laparoscopy and see and I thought okay cool you know I remember coming away thinking another operation right but you know it was like I'm gonna find out I knew in my heart of hearts that I had endo I knew it the amount of research that I'd looked at the amount of columns that I read the amount of blog posts about you know fellow females going down the same journey and it kind of to me it cemented it that fully your instincts basically when I had the um the operation I won't go too far into it because if you do want to check it out I have done podcast episodes on this but I remember my stomach hit the floor when I got told that yeah you got endo it's in there after that was when things started to get a little bit confusing and I started to get mega frustrated so After I got told I had endometriosis, I knew via my research there was no cure for it and that I knew that the only thing I had to do was the treatment kind of came down to you. You had to kind of come up with some sort of pain relief. You had to come up with some sort of way of living. I mean, where endo is based, it's on like the lower end of your body and it's where you bend over. It's where you, you know, it's in the part of your body where your top meets your bottom half. And it's in the place where, you know, you have your your womb. So, you know, you're, you're still going to have periods. You, you wee, you have your bladder there, you've got your bowel there. It's weird how everything is in that area. And um, I just remember when I got told about endo, the amount of pain, I just remember thinking, I want out of this. If there is a doorway I can take, I want out. And I remember one day I was actually getting out of the bath. And I remember saying to Jack, I reckon by the time I'm 40, I won't have a womb. It was just a sense I had. If you know me from Cracker Jones Podcast, you'll probably know that I'm very um, into... (laughs) I'm into signs and symbols in a big way. So for me, and maybe there might be a future episode on uh, stones as well. I've done an episode on that before, but stay tuned this way, won't you? And I remember just thinking, something needs to change. I cannot go a whole other... I don't know, 20 odd years until I hit my menopause going through this pain. I did my research yet again. No one was there helping me. I didn't have a doctor saying, these are the options available to you. 
So you kind of, you came up with a thing of you had to do your research, you had to look onto endometriosis charity websites. It tells you pretty much everything you need to know at this point. And you probably knew a little bit more than what they were telling you because you were living with it. And then I came up to the realization that I wanted to get rid of it. I, there is no cure. There's no treatment. There's nothing there you can take. It's all about managing it while it's a disease. It grows. And I came up against a brick wall emotionally. I went through hell because I thought, I want out. Where is the exit door? Where is the fire door to this? I want out. And um, I remember going to my gynecologist and I remember saying to them, I want out. But before that, I remember I went out for a sonogram, another one. So I was a dab hand at these things. And I remember saying about that I had pain and I thought the endometriosis had returned. When I went up there, I was at the end of my period and I remember sitting there. I was expecting her to say, yes, you have it on your bowel, you have it on your bladder. It's it's back. I knew it was back. I can feel the thing. But I was expecting, I remember my mum holding my hand and I just remember laying there and thinking, just tell me it's there. I know it's there, please. You know in your heart of hearts it's there, but you're expecting someone in a white coat to turn around and say, yeah, what you are feeling is validated. Because you're getting so used to people saying, now you got it wrong. You can't do this or you'll never do that. And for someone, you just want someone to turn around and say, yeah, yeah, it's there. Your instincts were bang on. That didn't happen. I was laying on this bed. I remember looking up at this air vent, which was on top of me while she shoved this, well, shoved is probably the wrong word, but while she put this this contraption thing up inside me again, which was designed to be like a, a massive tampon, basically, up my vagina again. So I knew some coping mechanisms, like as I breathed out, I said, you know, so breathe in, she went in a bit more to get it to the place. So I was kind of, my body was more or less comfortable with what was going on. And no one really tells you about that because I guess it comes across as too personal, but we all have vaginas. If you're a woman we all, or, you know, it, whoever you are, if you have a vagina, you know how it works. If you have, um, no matter what kind of body you have, you know how it works. And I remember laying there on this, this hospital bed and um, my mum was gripping my hand and all I was thinking about was I was holding my mum's hand and I was thinking, please just tell me. As she was moving around, I could feel the infl- inflammation. So she didn't say anything. She asked me if I'd had pain in my bowel. I said, yeah. She didn't say anything. She didn't say, yeah, you know, you know, Mrs. Swallow, you have this, you have that. She didn't state that. And I thought okay right I was I kind of I felt like if she was looking at this this computer then she was going to tell me her findings I was more than willing I was like I invite you to tell me the truth please you're more than welcome to but it didn't happen I got off the bed and at that point I felt very uh, low on energy I felt sick because I was at the end of my period I felt anxious because in the morning I had a feeling something wasn't going down I knew that something was wrong and um I sat there, this woman told me the findings, and she said I was completely clear of endo. I just remember thinking, okay. It wasn't until I had this conversation with my brother, 
And uh, my brother is one of these people that are into finding out things. He kind of, uh, he has this interesting way of, if there's something new, he has an interest in, in discovering stuff that's new. And then if he's excited by it, he'll share it. Like, he'll say, check out this website or check out that website. But this one conversation myself and my brother had, and he was saying apparently that I heard it on, like, TV, but didn't really think much of it. And um, he was saying that, do you know that if you want to find out your medical notes, you can totally do that now? I was like, I heard about it. He said, I've done it. I went, you have? He went, yeah, you can find out. I mean, my brother's like literally compared to me, the picture of health. He really is. He has migraines, but he's, I mean, he doesn't have endo for obvious reasons. He doesn't have a womb. He doesn't have fibromyalgia, but he's, he's a picture of health. And, um, so when he told me about the fact that you could get a hold of medical notes and I thought this could be interesting. So I contacted the hospital. I had their email because I'd made complaints about the the care that I'd received. I'd been, you know, I'd been treated in a less than positive way. And I'm of the mind that if I have to deal with the pain, all I'm asking you to do is be honest with me. Don't lie to me. Don't think I'm a vulnerable little woman that needs protecting. I've come to you because I'm asking you for help. This is a two-way street. It's called communication. So I remember contacting my local hospital and asked them about... I wanted to know in particular this appointment. The last sonograph appointment that I had where they wanted to see whether or not the endo had come back. I got told that it, it was all good up there. It was all fine. My instinct told me otherwise. When I asked the medical department whether they had any pictures of that day, there were some pictures that were saved. And I thought to myself, okay, I remember talking to Jack about it and I remember saying to him, they got pictures. And he said, why would they say pictures if there was nothing there? I thought, you are, you have a point there. You're kind of bang on. I remember it was around about two days after I... Actually, no, I think... Do you know what? I think it was on the same day. I was talking to my mum about this, and I had to mentally prepare for the fact that if there were pictures, there might be something on there that I might not need to... You know, that I might have to mentally prepare myself that I might get a shock. I was right. I got these pictures through on my email, and um, I remember looking, and, oh, my God... What I saw completely took me by surprise. I can't even describe it. So, a little while ago, you might have just heard me say that I did research before going to any of my gynaecology appointments, right? That research helped. In doing that research, I discovered what endometriosis on the bowel, on the ovaries, on the bladder looks like. So... It's like little blisters, and if you have an x-ray, or to put it another way, if you have a sonograph where they put this contraption, I don't know what else to call it, you know, like this wand, let's call it a wand, when they put this wand within you, up you, if you see these little black blisters up inside you, that's a, that's a really big sign to say, darling, you've got endo. I didn't see what was on the screen. When I had my polyp, there was nothing there. That would be because the endometriosis was on the other side of the wall that I was looking at. So when I got these pictures back from the hospital, yeah, I am... Um, I'm covered in the stuff. That's the only way that I can put it. I felt completely shot. 
validated that my my instinct was bang on it rarely is you know it's it's always bang on I was literally in so much shock that I remember I asked my brother to because my brother is um he does logos and designs he has his own business and I asked him to enlarge these pictures for me he sent them over and I remember pouring over this thing because I wanted it as a copy as well because I don't know what the future holds with Endo. I know that one day I might have to look at this and deal with some of the trauma and I think this podcast episode is a way of looking at that. But when they arrived, I remember being sat down with my mum and with Jack and I remember saying, this is it. My mum was looking, because my mum kind of has never had endometriosis before, but she's more than happy to understand. So we got out her laptop and we sat there and there was one image in particular that I came across and it was literally identical to what my image was. So the image that I had was my two ovaries, my left and my right, and what you could see was my bowel. And... I have endometriomas, which is endometriosis, but they're kind of like a blister form of it. I have endometriomas on my left ovary. The picture showed that I have four of them. This picture that we found on the internet was literally the same, near enough. Obviously, they're going to be different. Me and the lady have different bodies, and we have different levels of endo, and we have it in different places. But because we didn't have, like, an instruction booklet, like, this is what this means, this is what that means, we had to go off instinct and common sense. When we saw this image online, that was literally, and I said to my mum, that's what's causing the pain. I have it on my bowel, I have it on my bladder, and I have it on my ovaries. And I have it on my fallopian tubes. When I had my first, uh, when I had my laparoscopy, which was the diagnostic laparoscopy, they said the findings were that I had mild endometriosis and that I had it literally, the only place that I didn't have it was on my ovaries. I had it on my bladder, I had it in my pouch of Douglas, my bowel, all the places that are right next to your, your womb, I had it. And at the time, I remember thinking, well, that is a lot. When I got the findings back with the pictures, I just remember thinking it's grown. It had been a year at that point. It was going to grow. It's a disease, right? And um, I remember feeling so shocked that I'd been lied to my face by a member of the NHS staff saying that you didn't have endo. So... I went into a kind of a shock. It felt like I'd been hit mentally and emotionally and physically because I was dealing with the pain. I can't see it, but I can feel it. And um, so that was around about a good few months to a year ago now. Can't actually even remember. It was that I think this was before the coronavirus took place. And um, since then, the two things that have been mostly painful for me are my excision site which is where they've gone in via laparoscopy and also where they removed the uh, polyp from and also my bladder now when I saw the picture it's weird because when I had the sonograph done at the time I can be very crafty when I choose to be (laughs) I had this smartwatch 
This smartwatch had a camera on it. I didn't take my phone because where the hospital is, there was no point. My mum was with me and there was no point in taking any kind of thing with a camera on it. I wish I had. I had a smartwatch and it had a camera that you can take pictures, but it wasn't in, the camera wasn't in the right place. I, my instinct was of the morning of the sonograph to take my smartwatch and to take pictures of, if I could see a screen, take pictures so that I had that as like a documentation going forward. The sonographer, upon examining me, left me behind the curtain with the monitor. Curiosity got the better of me and I looked at, I didn't know what I was looking at, but on this screen, I didn't have the my watch with me, which I kind of was like, why didn't I pick it up? But I looked at the screen, my bowel, it looked like there was a bunch of grapes attached to my bowel, red grapes. That to me at the time and now screams endometriosis on the bowel. I got refused point black when I went to see my gynecologist and I explained what I'd seen because I had no evidence. I had no proof. There was nothing I could sit down there. I, ha- I was like a year out because if I'd had the documents, I could have said endo in exhibit A, endo in exhibit B. Would you like me to go on or would you like another diagram? You know, tell me which, which method of communication would you like and I'd be more than happy to assist you. But at the time I had nothing. I didn't have any pictures and I didn't know you could ask for pictures of a specific appointment. When I went to my gynecologist and I thought, okay, this was before I actually saw the pictures because at the time I just said that I remember seeing the thing and I remember saying to him, it looked like a handful of grapes. He chose to disbelieve me. So for me, I thought this isn't going to work because I'm coming up against a brick wall here. And I was mega frustrated. Actually, after that appointment, I came out, sat on the bench and cried. And I thought, I'm buggered, basically. I've got nowhere to go here. When I saw the pictures, I thought, okay, I now have a defense. I now have proof. Okay, right, cool. My brother was an angel. He actually made two lots of copies for me. And I thought, right. I have the proof now. Living now, day to day, I get PMDD now, which is a really big and bad form of PMS. It affects everything. Last year, or the uh, last month, sorry, or the month before, it was really proper bad. I was in a really dark place, and um, it doesn't last, but it it hits. When it hits, it hits. Everything aches. Your boobs ache. Everything that takes place when you have PMS is there. And uh, add to that, you have endopatin on top of it. It gets a bit much. And you kind of look down at your body and think, how can you do this to me? Like, lay off, you know, back it up a bit. Take a minute. And um, when I actually did an episode, I think I did an episode on PMDD. So if you want to go on back, please do. If you're suffering with it, it might just help you. Um, But right now, as of the current time, I... I'm in pain at the moment. The endometriomas are causing me a lot of pain. When my mum was pregnant with my younger brother, my younger brother was laying on my mum's nerve in her womb. And so I was, I mean, I can remember my mum walking funny, but I didn't think much of it. And uh, my mum had, the midwife at the time had to shift my brother because he was laying on her nerve. I have that. The only thing is there's no baby in there. So I have a 
a nerve in my womb that is connected so it's kind of it goes over my hip bone i don't know where it's connected to but it seems to be that it's connected to my ovary so when i ovulate and my little ovum and boy if i called it a lot more than a little ovum i can tell you but when my little ovum or egg comes out of the ovary i feel it i've always kind of been sensitive when it comes to ovulation i can always usually tell like it's happening some women can some women can't i've been one of the lucky ones where i can and um the pain is excruciating the amount of times i mean i have to carry a hot water bottle i can't leave the house i usually i would like to ride jupiter but i can't because i don't know if i can cycle because my leg aches so much it hurts um i can't put my foot to the floor sometimes and what with it being autumn you got the cold air as well but jack keeps saying to me it will pass you know your period is coming in around about two weeks it will pass and i keep thinking okay you know i'm like concentrating on small things i'm concentrating on at the moment crafting and listening to radio and small bits of mindfulness and i'm there's something that's just cropped up that i'm gonna talk to you guys about in a little bit so if you're not following me make sure that you do please but um at the time being i'm in a lot of pain right now i'm in a lot of pain a few days ago i was literally ready to be out i really was and um i i'll be honest i don't really want to say a trigger warning here but i literally was i was in a dark place and um i remember i kept saying to jack about it and say i i'm in a dark place and you know with me i like to talk about it so if i'm in a dark place i'll say to jack i'm in a dark place and he knows anyway and he helps me out i'd say to my mum my mum understands it there's concern but they know that i would never do anything in a negative way to hurt myself because i'm of the belief that in hurting myself i hurt others and i can't stand hurting other people i don't want to i've thought about the dark side i thought about you know i'm gonna be very blunt here this is hard for me to say but i've thought about ending it all i've thought about how i would end it all you know because the human body can only do so much and when you're in pain your hormone levels decrease your serotonin levels dip and that's a time when it's a chemical imbalance your body isn't balanced you know and if you're in a lot of pain your body wants out of it and when you have a pain due to endometriosis and something that a woman's body is supposed to do release an egg i've sat there and talked to my egg <laughs> you know i've um I've, I actually have a conversation and I realise I'm actually sat in the bath talking to my own vagina, as you do, but <laughs> probably too much information, but I believe that this is, this is a good thing to talk about because people don't talk about this stuff and this might come back, if someone listens to me in the future and they might know me in like a professional sense or via being a radio presenter or whatever, they might think, well, I know you have conversations with your vagina, but I'm of the mind that I have one. I'm human. I'm a woman. Guess what? It was assigned to me. I've got one. But I have thought about ending it all. I have thought about like how I would do it. But then I think I don't want to be the reason why people are sad. 
I don't want to leave the people behind. I don't want to, yeah, I'd be out of pain, you know, great. I'd be out of pain, maybe do whatever needs to be, whatever would happen for that to take place. But what about my mum? What about Jack? What about my brothers? You know, what about the people that I'm connected to? That's a shock, you know. If if you got a direct message or uh, you saw on my Instagram that Jem's gone and people, you know, I can imagine it because I'd be the same, like, oh, my God, what happened, you know? And I don't want to be the reason for that. It just sucks that you have to get to that place or it sucks that you find yourself in that place. So there have been times when I've spoken to my ovaries when I'm in the bath and I'm soaking it in hot water because that's the only thing that seems to help. And, you know, I said to it, you know, give up the ghost. You're not going to be fertilized, you know. I mean, you're half of my genetic coding. <laughs> and then, you know, my Jack will say, well, technically it's all your genetic coding because it hasn't been fertilized yet. And I'm like, I knew that. But it's kind of like, you know, I'm looking at down below and I'm looking at my hip and I'm like, you're not going to be fertilized. I know this is painful. You're only going to live the matter of 48 hours. That's when ovulation takes place. After that, that's it. Okay. I'm sorry, but it's just not going to happen. And, um, <laughs> then I'll say, Daddy isn't going to fertilize you, okay? I'm sorry. <laughs> but it's just like, this is how it takes place. This is what happens because it's the only way that you can get to grips with it. It's the only way that you can kind of do it. So, looking forward with the pain I'm in and I think this year in particular, we've had a pandemic. So everyone's looking at the future in a different way. And I have thought about my future. Like I said, there is something that's come up and I will be talking about it with you coming up. And I hope you'll be excited for me. And I hope that you'll be willing to, I ask you if you want to become a patron and also if you want to, you know, be a part of my story, I'd love to take you with me and see where this can go and see, you know, if it's, what's going to happen with the endometriosis I have the feeling if I had to go down the road of um treatment I would somehow have to figure out a way of going private I think I think for me I've noticed that when I went to my last NHS I think you know appointment I remember saying to them that I wanted a hysterectomy and they threw either the coil or they basically the coil in my face. Unless you do this, you can't move forward. Unless you, you know, because it stops your period and it's supposed to stop your pain. But it's, you're still carrying it. You just can't feel it. For me, I don't want to put that in my body because I'm very sensitive to hormones and I don't want to go down that road. I would much rather go down the road of maybe excision if I have to get rid of it, if it buys me some time. With that said, though, I would probably be in a lot of pain. Or, because the last two operations I've had, I'm still in pain now, especially when the weather gets colder. But I believe, personally, when I've sat down and talked about it with Jack, I personally think that if I had to go down the road, I would have to go privately. And I'd have to find the money from somewhere to fund it. The strange thing is though, when I've looked into this, I don't have a job. You know, I don't have like a full-time 
part-time job where I can kind of like, you know, afford this. So I'm just trying to kind of put one foot in front of the other and just trying to make it go as I go along. It's not something I want to get into debt with. I don't want to have to get into debt just to get out of pain and just to live what a life that many others take for granted. But the way in which my body has been, it's not likely to... It doesn't, you know, it's... My body is not made to be like someone that doesn't have all these chronic health conditions. However, if I have to get out a treatment, I think I would have to go private and see how it is compared to the NHS. I wonder if it would be different. Having a consultation would cost £100. To me, that's a lot of money if you're going to ask questions and stuff. In another way, though, I think to myself... If I sat there and asked all these questions, would I then know? Would it be a hundred quid worth, you know, worth spending? For a hysterectomy, you're looking at around about six grand. And you're thinking, okay, for someone my age, they might be thinking about, you know, buying their first house and things like that. If needs be, if it gave me a quality of life, maybe I, I would look at ways somehow of getting the money together. But I think that treatment-wise, I personally think that I would have to go privately because I think I've been traumatised by the NHS and I think that the last appointment, I realised that it's not going in, you know, it's not going down. The, the door closed on that one, the wall came up. And for me, I think that's where I'm at. So I know that every woman is different and every person's, you know, journey is different. But for me, I just try my best. I, a distraction is a great thing. I'm distracted by pretty stuff. <laughs> but, um, yeah, everyone is different. And um, that's just where I'm at. So maybe in a different place. I don't want to... If I have a say and it's my body, I would not like to go into the coil. I don't want to have to deal with all the stuff that brings. And um, I think they make it out to be a lot more of a different experience than it maybe is. But, yeah, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go down that road. For me, I was actually talking to Jack and I was saying about this and I said that it's amazing. They won't get rid of my, as he labelled it, I will not get rid of your reproductive organs. And I kind of looked at him and thought, it's my reproductive organs. If I say get rid of it, bloody get rid of it. But for me, it's fascinating because you're getting rid of your eggs. That's what your reproductive system is. Your eggs are the thing that, you know, are 50%. It's your DNA until it's fertilized, right? You have a womb. That is where your egg is supposed to live and then turn into a fetus. What I find fascinating is, I remember calling the doctor's bluff because I said, if I were pregnant, then what? He said, we would then be more interested in protecting the life of the fetus. And I thought, that's what it comes down to then. They see the egg as being a life. They see the life as being like, because it holds your genetic codes until it meets, you know, your husband or your boyfriend or whatever kind of sexual relationship you have until it meets a first, you know, until it meets the sperm and then it gets fertilised. But for me, I thought, okay, so if I'm a pregnant, 
I would have complete control over my body, right? This is how I was saying it's Jack. This is like after a year, I've kind of sat down and like hammered out all the details. So if I were pregnant, I, as the mother, would have complete control over what happens to my body and the life of my unborn child. Being the egg, I'm telling you, I mean, I don't know how many eggs I've got left because, you know, I'm in my 30s now and I don't know what age I'm meant to hit the menopause, but I'm telling you, okay, I would like you to withdraw my reproductive system to get rid of it because, you know, I'm just getting in pain from it. And to be honest, if I have endometriosis, if I did get pregnant, me and Jack have talked about this, if I did get pregnant... By the time the body would swell and the baby would be there, my body would be in so much pain What with all the, you know, the implantation swelling and everything else. I would literally be in so much pain, I'd probably be bed bound. And to me, that's not really a quality of life. Even though I would love the baby and want the best for it, I'd be its mum. But it's kind of, you know, it's for me as a mother and for me as a woman and a person... I wouldn't like to put myself through that because my family would be seeing that and thinking, God, Jem's really going through hell here. So everything has a beginning, middle and end. But going into the future, I think that if I had to seek treatment for endo, I think I'd go private. My personal point of view is that I've noticed people talking about their endometriosis a lot, especially like with cancelled appointments due to coronavirus. And I get that. But... A lot of the a lot of the communication, especially online, has been from NHS doctors and that people have had, you know, a journey with NHS. Not many people are sharing their thoughts and feelings on private. If I do go down that road, financially, I would like to see something with me change first. I'd like to be in a better financial situation. But for me, financially, it would have to change in order to there's no point in taking on the financial pressure if I'm not financially stable enough to handle the pressure. It would just, it would cancel each other out because it's, you're ch- like, you're changing financial to mental, you know. You're taking financial worries on just to get yourself some peace of mind and out of pain. So if I had to go down that road, I don't know how it would happen. Maybe in the next year or something, maybe the gods will change and maybe some stuff will come to to my way. I don't know. It's not something that's on my agenda at the moment. It is on the back burner. If the pain keeps on, then I might decide to somehow gather the money and go to um, the private healthcare team and, you know, make a consultation to see what it's about. If I do, of course, I will keep you guys updated on that. So you would kind of get the heads up if that's something you want to do. But for me, at the moment, I'm looking to the future, but I don't want that to be one of my main focuses. So um, that's where I'm at. I've actually put a poll up on my Instagram, and I wanted you guys to kind of do it. I had a few episodes in mind, so what you guys want to listen to. But yeah, for me, I'm just trying to put one foot in front of the other. At the moment, it's all about pain and getting to me, getting to my period in one piece. But um, yeah, that's um, 
that's where I'm at. So I hope that this episode has helped. I know it's kind of gone into detail, but I think that's what a lot of other things lack. People are very surface-like when they talk about endo. They don't talk about like the stuff that when you're having a bad day and laying in the bath and you're crying, you're thinking, why in God's name is this happening to me? Or what did I do wrong? Or when you sit there and you threaten your vagina because the pain is emanating from your womb and you're like, swear to God, I swear to God, you know, just stop hurting your own home. Why would you do this? I feed you. This is what happens to me when I'm in the bath. There's a mental image for you. But yeah, so um, thank you for listening. I hope this episode has been well. Uh, has been helpful to you if it has please do let me know or if you want to leave feedback on apple or wherever you listen and uh i guess watch this space but this has been a good episode it's aired a lot of cobwebs and thank you so much for listening this is quirky gems podcast life offline i'm gem swallow thank you for listening i'll speak to you next week Stay tuned for, oh, sorry, that was my now on the sofa. <laughs> it's happening here. Stay tuned next week, where next Thursday I'll be dropping another episode. Stay tuned also for the details if you want to follow me or get involved in any upcoming episodes. And remember, be you, not them. Take it easy, and I'll speak to you next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for listening to Cracky Gems podcast. To see behind the mic and to get involved, check out my social medias at Gems Quirky on both Instagram and Twitter. Make sure to follow me on Google Podcasts and Spotify. New episodes drop every Thursday. And remember, be you, not them.